Welcome to Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. Here's your host, Ben Wilson. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. I'm your host, Ben Wilson, and my co-host, Rodney, is here by my side as usual. So today, we have brought back one of our favorite guests to Living the Dream, and that is Lisa Concepcion. And today, we're going to be talking about women in business and leadership following the Me Too movement. So, you know, when I have Lisa on, we're going to have a very fun and interesting conversation, and you're going to walk away enlightened and with a lot of valuable information. So, in today's episode, we're going to address the hot topic of women in business and leadership following the Me Too movement by evaluating the recent movies Bombshell, starring Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, and Margot Robbie, and Like a Boss, starring Salma Hayek, Tiffany Haddish, and Rose Byrne and also take a look at what it's really like to be a woman leader in business and working toward being a woman in business today. Spoiler alert, we are going to talk about the J-Lo and Shakira halftime show and whether the criticism was warranted or not, so you're going to definitely enjoy that. But before we get started with Lisa, I kind of want to give my take upon how I feel women have progressed since my grandmother's generation. Uh, This is starting like in the the 30s and, and on to today. So when you think about like your grandparents' generation, your, your grandparents, your grandmothers may have been like my grandmother, where it was pretty common to see women as stay-at-home moms, like June Cleaver in Leave it to Beaver in the 50s, or jobs as teachers or nurses that involved nurturing and caregiving. Though I have to admit, a lot of women took factory jobs in, during World War II because they had to, and so that was a very important role for women. But when we say women on, when we saw women on the big screen, it was often in the romantic roles with stars such as Katherine Hepburn, Rita Hayworth, Jane Russell, Elizabeth Taylor, and Sophia Loren becoming stars. But there was this little-known bombshell blonde named Norma Jean Baker who became Marilyn Monroe and began the shift in the look of what we call the American bombshell. And she fostered in women becoming these mega stars, but often as the romantic accessory to leading men in films or in the homemaker role. As we progressed into the late 60s and early 70s, we saw women starting to get uh, top nods in TV and film with the success of Mary Tyler Moore in her Mary Tyler Moore show, Carol Burnett in the Carol Burnett show, Valerie Harper in Rhoda, and B. Arthur in Maude. And these characters were strong women in business. And it was a very trying time, a changing time for women. And it was very interesting because during that time, that's when my mother was graduating from high school, going to college, and you started to see it the norm for more and more women to go to college and have the dream of being a, a career woman in business or being a teacher or, or whatever. So that was very, very interesting to see. In the 70s, we also saw Charlie's Angels come on board, and that was with Kate Jackson, Jacqueline Smith, and Farrah Fawcett. They hit TV in 1976. Now, it was interesting. You had these women in starring roles, but they're also drop-dead gorgeous crime fighters. And of course, Farrah Fawcett became worldwide famous with her her poster. In the world of music and comedy in the 70s, we saw women taking the lead more and more with icons such as Dolly Parton and Loretta Lynn in uh, country music, Diana Ross and Aretha Franklin in Motown, and, and more and more. We saw comedians show us how to laugh with like Joan Rivers, Gilda Radner, and Jean Curtin. In the 80s, we saw more and more of this with women starting to take the lead. 
uh, in many fields. We saw Barbara Walters hosting TV shows regularly, and, he, and she even started that in the 70s. We saw Sandra Day O'Connor become the first woman in this, uh, on the Supreme Court. We saw an all-woman cast of B. Arthur, Betty White, Rue McClanahan, and Estelle Getty become the Golden Girls and become one of the most iconic sitcoms of all time. We saw Sally Field win the Oscar and say, you like me, you really like me. And it continued on and on. In the 90s, we saw Madonna dominate the world of MTV videos, along with Janet Jackson, and raise a few eyebrows along the way with both musical content and attire. We saw Pamela Anderson and the Baywatch Babes raise the issue of whether bigger is better, and I'm not necessarily talking about the hair. Now, as my generation graduated, it was like, you know, what direction are women going to go? And it was onward and upward. I remember all my women classmates um, they were working just as hard as I was for great jobs. Um, you started to see women's sports grow, grow, grow more and more with like Mia Hamm and the women's soccer team. And I just know countless classmates that have gone on to be very successful in their career, whether it's a lawyer, a doctor, or whatever. But it's interesting because you still hear stories about women not being paid equally for the same job as, as men. As a matter of fact, in researching this, I saw a story where women lawyers are generally paid 85% of what male lawyers are. And I just, I found that kind of astonishing because I know where I'd work, that did not seem to be the case, but maybe I'm missing something. We also see where women continue to not be treated equally in the workplace, hence the Me Too movement. So I brought my friend Lisa back to talk about all this because she has a different perspective than I do. She's been um, a woman in leadership and in business for over 20 years in the field of PR and marketing and now as a, a love coach and um, love uh, just a general coach at Love Quest Coaching. So I want to welcome Lisa Concepcion to the show to talk about these issues. So Lisa, welcome aboard. Hi, I'm so happy to be back with you. Always fun, always a good conversation. I gotta tell you, your episode was the number one ranked episode besides the, the intro with Rodney and me. So you beat out a couple of NBA guys. I really did? That's yep. amazing. Number one show. Wow. Yeah, well, we got into some good stuff on that show, and I'm sure we're going to do the same today. So we, we I'm, I'm hearing this intro, and I'm just like, whoa, like we're going to get into some juicy stuff. It is It is very interesting. So, you know, you see a lot of this now on social media about, you know, here, boss babe, mm -hmm. um, uh, lady boss, things like that. What is a boss babe? in your opinion? Wow. So, yeah, I've seen the same thing too, and there are a lot of memes and things floating around about this whole boss babe culture. And I say for me, it's living life on your own terms and making no apologies for your authenticity, who you are, how you roll, what you like, what you don't, and just being gracious, kind to people, and having a very clear vision for your life and working every day towards that vision. That's mm -hmm. what I think a boss babe is. I think it's, a, you know, it really depends woman to woman what they have going on in their life. For me personally, as a love life strategist, life coach, um, I have a very clear vision of where I'm going and what I'm doing and where I'd like to be 10 years from now and reverse engineering that, bus that, that business vision, life vision every day and then taking inspired actions to see it through, to see it happen, to mm. make it happen. Um, I also, though, think, Ben, that part of being the boss babe, and this is kind of a thing that I love, love to talk about, because it's part of what I had to step into in my own journey, is 
that women who are boss babes are also very powerful in their feminine energy as well as their masculine energy. Mm-hmm. So all the women that you had named before in your assessment and your very eloquent intro, um, they ushered in a generation of women who were getting degrees, going to college, you know, getting out there and up the ladder, and even managing and, and leading men in the workplace. Murphy Brown was one I didn't yes. mention with Candace Bergen. Mm-hmm. And we saw a lot of that, you know, come up in the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. and then obviously early 2000s. So what we also saw, though, was this go, 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 get it, get it, get it, do, 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 earn, 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 you know, work your way up the corporate ladder. But it was at the sacrifice of that nurturing quality, the more feminine qualities of collaboration, of patience, compassion, kindness. And this isn't to say that women don't have those qualities. I just feel like they started leading with a more aggressive, masculine, I got this, I don't need men. There was a lot of also cultural shifts in that time, a lot of divorces. The divorce mm-hmm. rate went up significantly after the 70s with the with the um, birth control pill, and it just presented an entire option for women where they were no mm-hmm. longer dependent on their husbands. They were like, listen, I'll take the pill, and I'll leave you, and I'll go get educated, and I'm going to make three times what you make. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women went on to do just that, and some did not. So, yeah, this is a very meaty conversation. Um, the boss babe movement or the boss babe, you know, hashtag boss babe culture that we see um, brewing is really a, a big, um, co- um, what's the word, kind of like a uh, movement, really, of women just going for what it is that they want and how they decide their best life, committing to it fully, and really stepping into both the masculine and feminine, though, in mm-hmm. in that way. You know what was interesting? Um, I was thinking about this on the on my way into the show. Is where we are now in society. the The women that are in high school, college, their parents are now our age, and grand, their grandparents are my mother's age, or our parents' age. So when my mom graduated high school in the late '60s it was more and more the norm for women to start go, going to college. Whereas in my grandmother's generation, I would say probably less than half did. So you've got one generation going to college. Obviously in our generation, it was more the norm for women to go to college, get some type of degree, own business, things like that. So now they're daughters and granddaughters. So we've got three generations where it's more the norm for women to go to college or trade school or whatever and have some type of job and be um, bringing in income. And I think it's very interesting how things have uh, basically progressed where that's kind of the expectation I think probably a lot of young women have. Well, you know what's really fascinating is if you look at the last decade, Mm -hmm. we see a generation of young women coming up and they are basically going from junior high school or high school to YouTube, doing makeup tutorials, doing product tutorials, doing unboxing of makeup, of unboxing of fashion, of clothing, what have you. And they're turning it into um, marketing businesses for themselves where they're doing affiliate marketing, they're Mm -hmm. posting on social media, they're creating a monetization of their presence. Mm -hmm. So they're very young and they're realizing 
I'm 18 years old or I'm 21 years old. Like, I don't have to go to college. I already am making 10K a month, 30K a month on a business that I did out of my bedroom with a laptop. Unboxing makeup that different brands started to send to me for free and started to make me an affiliate now. So mm. affiliate marketing has taken off tremendously. There's a lot of it going on with the travel space. If you look at these Instagram millennial influencers, right, and Gen Y, mm -hmm. they're killing it. They're crushing it. And so this paradigm or this belief, this old belief that their parents have, which would be me, I'm 49 years old in a minute, right? Like two weeks, I'm turning 49. And so if I had a daughter who was, you know, 18 years old, totally feasible, right, given my, mm -hmm. my age, um, and she would say to me, listen, I'm not going to college. I would be like, all right, well, what are you going to do? Well, I would have raised her to just say, listen, what do you want to live like? How do you want to live? When you're 30 years old, how do you want to live? Where do you want to live? What kind of house do you want to have? What kind of car do you want to drive? What kind of clothes do you want to wear? Where do you want to travel to? What do you want to do in the world? And then let her dream. Let her be free to dream as big a dream as she can dream. And then help her or to, to reverse engineer it so we can say to her, okay, well, what, what are your God-given gifts? And what do you gravitate towards normally? You love makeup? All right, girl, let's look at how we can make you a lot of money with the world of makeup. Mm -hmm. And so I say, you know, kudos to the parents out there who gave that girl the permission to follow that, to really work in her God-given talents and interests, really, is what it is. If somebody has an inspired interest, let's say it's not even the makeup thing. It could be a woman, girl, 14 years old, who's an avid reader, and she loves to read books. Mm -hmm. And so now she's of age where her parents say, okay, if you want to have an Instagram for your little book reading club, inspiring young kids to read, and now all of a sudden you're being Amazon.com go-to kid under 18 to like educate people on book reading and what have you, and now you're an affiliate marketer mm -hmm. with every week a new book, and then you do a speed reading thing where now you're reading four books a week, right? So this can become a business, a lucrative, lucrative business for these young girls who now look at their college educations and they're like, why am I gonna learn things? Because college is all about like memorizing facts mm -hmm. and completing something. So, you know, that's fine. I guess it'll be cool to get a degree, but while at school, I'm gonna work. I'm going to do this digital thing and see what I can do. And there are a lot of girls making a lot of money. And, you know, in the book, um, Think and Grow Rich, right, Napoleon mm -hmm. Hill, they talk about how um, scarcity breeds necessity or, or creativity, rather, right? Mm -hmm. So scarcity and necessity breeds creativity. So when you look at the cost of college, right? Because, Ben, like when we went to college, I went to Rutgers University for $48,000. Mm -hmm. You can't even go to college now for $48,000 a year. I mean, I, it's crazy what mm -hmm. it is now. So that in itself, as college tuitions rose in price, mm -hmm. it inspired creativity in these kids that were like looking at the numbers and saying, I'm going to graduate in close to over $100,000 in debt. And if I look at salaries, that's going to take like half my life to pay that back. Mm -hmm. So what can I do now? What can I do to make money? And then they go online and they look at how to make money online. And with the information that we have right now at our fingertips, you go on YouTube and you search how to make money while in college, you'll see a million, a bazillion different comments and things happening with that. I'm seeing all this stuff with Monette hair and um, 
what is it, makeup, rodent and feels. I've got tons of friends that are in that. And I, I know I wouldn't be very good at that for, for sales and stuff like that, but I see where a lot of women have been very successful in that based on what I've seen on Facebook and Instagram for whatever, whether that's true or not. But, you know, they seem to be doing pretty well. Um, talk about, though, you know, we were talking about how to achieve boss babe status. Mm. Kind of expand more on that with women doing this stuff online. How can someone be a success? Because I've seen some people that they have a whole lot of followers, but yet, you know, if you hire them for a project, they really don't generate that much revenue. Mm-hmm. But yet then there are other people. You look at um, Kylie Jenner, for example. I mean, I don't think Kylie Jenner went to college. She took advantage of the Kardashian fame and stuff. But th- that woman's making a, a ton of money, as, you know, Kim and... Uh, Chloe and all the others are, but I mean, Kylie's what twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, I and think she's. she's the, I think she just. She's like got her own perfume brand and stuff like she's, that. Yeah, so. makeup empire. She was on like Forbes cover, Forbes like billionaire. There was a lot of controversy too about, you know, oh, self made billionaire. Like she had, she's Kris Jenner's kid. She had the Kardashian name right. and the influence. But you know, you have to look at them as like an empire. Like they're mm-hmm. a family, and they, the women in that family talk about boss babe status mm-hmm. they were your basic like uh, you know they were okay they were doing okay right papa kardashian he did all right as mm-hmm. a lawyer but still they were like upper middle class right in mm-hmm. living in calabasas in california lovely mansion houses there but also modest houses there mm-hmm. and you know they taught a work ethic those girls worked in high school they had a boutique and it didn't matter if okay dad bought you a boutique and a strip mall they were required every day to learn that and like him ended up meeting, um, what's her name, Paris Hilton. They became friends because of the boutique and then Kim um, offered to do her closet makeover or something. So these girls were just like, let's get money, let's figure it out, let's work. Mm -hmm. But then what they created over a decade, you know, with the help of the mother, and they learned as they went. They didn't know these things. I mean, she was a mom, Kris Jenner, and now Mm -hmm. she's managing this multi-million dollar empire, heavy branding, very calculated social media. But to answer your question, you know, like what creates boss babe status, right? So for like the person who just tuned in and they're like, I want to learn to be a boss babe, I want to be a boss babe. I feel like it's a much more um, internal game. I think it's more of your confidence in yourself, your belief in yourself, your desire, to have a goal and Mm -hmm. see that goal through no matter what and protecting your goal protecting your dreams and even from your parents even from you know your husbands your parents you know i'm i'm 49 years old in a minute right so i'm this entrepreneur love life coach this whole completely different life i had a whole different life different career i was in public relations and marketing from my 20s and 30s into my 40s and then i switched it. I worked for Grant Cardone for uh, about a year and a half. I learned amazing things working alongside him. And it was all about that. It was, you can be a multimillionaire. Anyone can do this. Mm -hmm. All you have to have is fire behind an idea and an idea that's rooted in service. You get really good at something and you work on it every day. And I think that is really the boss babe status. It's Mm -hmm. just get really good at something that you genuinely love doing and figure out a way to make money at that 
and do it every day. Work on your business a little bit every day. It's Sunday afternoon in Miami, Florida, and you and I, in the middle of a day, on Sunday, fun day, you know Miami, crazy Sunday, fun day, you and I are sitting here doing this podcast. But How yeah, committed are we to our passions, right? Very committed. We are, but in fairness, you can't have a more fun Sunday fun day than hanging out with each other. This is true. So this is true. We do have a point, and we're not. We're, and there's no alcohol present. This is just legit two people kicking it on a podcast to give value and uplift other people. And we have water and Rodney snoring at my feet, plus his cute little face. Yeah. So you know the boss babe status thing isn't really about. The purse that you're carrying or the shoes that you're wearing, it's more about the idea, the vision for your life, and your desire and commitment to every day seeing that through and, mm-hmm. and taking action. And then the shoes and the, and the car and the house and all the fun stuff comes, but it doesn't come unless you have that boss, babe, vision for yourself. Where do you want to be in your life? Mm-hmm. I agree. And, you know, I know a lot of women out there that they're very passionate about their business. And to your point about doing it every day is consistency. It's like if you want to do anything, like if you want to be in great shape, if you go to the gym once a week it's, and you eat like crap, it's not going to happen. Right. So consistency is a key. One thing I want to talk about, though, is um, the movie Bombshell. It was actually a, a really great movie this summer. It was um, based on the Fox News scenario where uh, Fox News president Roger Ailes Uh, placed a lot of emphasis on the looks of women and he went too far and um, basically what he did is he he put his reporters in a situation where he would ask for sexual favors in order for them to kind of be promoted and cross the line with sexual harassment and I really wanted to see this movie because Charlize Theron did an excellent job portraying Megyn Kelly who at the time was Fox News uh, top uh, anchor very successful and also she got into that from being a lawyer but there were reports of what Roger Ailes was doing to Gretchen Carlson and other reporters and they're like you know what I don't want to work in this environment where I'm constantly you know having to deal with these comments from men and this and that and it kind of started the Me Too movement and um, oh I've got the name of the guy that just got convicted this week um, oh, Harvey Weinstein? Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, that was you know, where that whole thing started, yeah, the Me Too with thing. Him too. And you hear all that these stories the about you know, actresses that, hey, if you're wanting to be an actress, you're wanting to do what you can to be promoted and stuff, and you've got people in power who are like, okay, well, they're going to ask for favors and stuff like that. But talk about you know, how, how much of a problem in the workplace is, is sexual misconduct, especially when you get into things like media and PR and sales where – Let's just be honest. It's important how you look in those those fields, whether you're a man or a woman. So how big of a problem is that? You know, you would think that in light of the Me Too movement and everything that came out and how, you know, that whole thing, that whole discussion that was coming through online, mm-hmm. you would think that people would be more careful, more... more um, judicious with their words, more decipherous with their words, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I'll tell you, you know, as a coach, I coach men and women. I have a business that is fully mine. And I often have men, you know, hitting me up on social media, saying things to me, super inappropriate, 
Thankfully, not as much as before. I, would, I attribute this to my age. Yeah. <laughs> Five years ago, different deal. Ten years ago, even more. But now, you know, it's um, – and also, the, you know, the energy that I put out there. But still, there are certain men who think nothing of making comments about my appearance based on a social media post or a comment about, you know, the man in my life based on a social media. It's very off base. It's very like not solicited. It's just like, hey, I'm living my life in Miami. I'm doing my thing and I'm mm. filming videos and putting content out. You know, I'm clearly, you know, on Instagram, I'm at Lisa the love coach. So it's clear what I'm doing and who I'm being and what I am. It's me. Mm -hmm. You know, my I run my social media incredibly authentically. So my life as I live it is portrayed. So a lot of times men do come at me um, thinking that, you know, let's see if I can try to trick her into thinking I need coaching when in reality I just want to get to meet her, get attention from her. I want to um, see if she responds back to me. There's a lot of this stuff that goes on in, you know, digital space. Mm -hmm. But I would imagine in the actual physical workspace as well, I would hope that this movement, this Me Too movement has curtailed it i don't think it has yeah. i hear a lot of women oh, really? that i coach come to me saying that they have a boss and he's always making these inappropriate things she doesn't know what to do and now she thinks she wants to quit and all this stuff so it is mm -hmm. still prevalent i think it's foolish because it's so top of mind now to proceed in that way i think it's mm -hmm. also a generational thing as well i yeah. definitely think it's a generational thing as well yeah you know that that's probably a pretty good point because I just when all this Me Too movement stuff came up and I heard all this stuff going on, I was like, first off, I can completely believe some Hollywood executive saying that some actress has got to do this in order to progress. I mean, there was this comedian Kathy Griffin. She made a joke and she's like, yeah, she slept her way to the D list. Yeah, well, they, they used to call it the casting couch. I mean, this was an expression that was yeah. known well before Harvey Weinstein, well before Me Too movement. Like it would say the casting couch, but people would be very loose about it until. You know, some somebody was not having it anymore, and then you have the power of social media, mm -hmm. because Me Too movement happened because of social media. It was mm -hmm. a hashtag with people coming forward, in in one after the next after the next. I mean, Matt Lauer. I mean, there were oh, major yeah. names every week. It seemed like you know every a new person was being called to the mat on this accusation. Mm -hmm. So it started then to become this movement where, you know, it was pow it was empowering and it was, but you know, I find that in, a lot of things ended up going off the rails. So now you have situations where men are afraid to ask women out or compliment women in a dating scenario because of Me Too movement. They're afraid of, oh my God, I don't want to get Me Tooed. They're, they're making mm -hmm. it a verb. I don't want to get Me Tooed. I'm going to yeah. go, I'm going to take a woman on a date and I'm going to, you know, have a situation where she seduces me to come upstairs, offers me a cocktail, and then two days later I'm being sued because I kissed her on her terrace. Like, what that? Why? What yeah, is that? that Guys are really, really, you know, reserved now. That happened to that comedian, Amir Aziz, I think. Um, mm. And it was because, I mean, there were s situations where women were making comments or uh, allegations that were definitely, definitely true. And then there were some where. You found out later, hey, these comments are, are wrong, and so guys were scared. Let me ask you this: in your role as a dating coach, um, in light of the Me Too movement now, you know, I know a lot of people that they met their significant other at work, mm -hmm. um, but then you also hear people say, well, you know, it's not a good idea to date someone from work because you know you just 
don't want to do that in case it goes bad. It'd be an awkward situation. In light of the Me Too movement, what's what is the the rule on dating at work? Is it something you should avoid, like the plague, or is it something? Hey, if you're just professional about it, it is okay. Well, it's a fascinating question because I feel like in lieu of the you know with the Me Too movement, many corporations you know if you're looking at a corporate setting, I would imagine many HR mm-hmm. representatives would have you put some actions, put some um, consequences into play if there was office romances or, you know, Mm -hmm. fraternization or what have you. Um, You know, I know in public relations, it was a very female-dominated industry with, like, sprinkles of gay men. It was amazing. And then you'd have, like, (laughs) you'd have, like, the tech guys and the digital guys, you know, those guys, they were, you know, heterosexual because they were the techies. And then you'd have, you know, every, the accounting, the mormon, and yeah, there was times where people were mixing it up and dating each other and it this was in the, in the late 90s early 2000s mm-hmm. and it was never um frowned upon it was just like keep it mature and you know do your thing but this was a very different industry but if you're looking at a thing like banking my mom my stepmother and my father met while at work she used to call him Mr. Concepcion like he was her boss mm-hmm. And this is in the 70s. And they started to see each other. And then now they're together, I mean, over 40 years. It's ins- it's amazing that they're together, you know, this long. But, like, the thing is, that wasn't a thing. But now, with Me Too, I'm sure a lot of companies have those types of stipulations and those types of things of, like, listen, you can be fired if it's caught, right? If it's yeah. caught. If, if you are dating somebody in your workplace and they, you know, over look out the window and they see you giving each other a kiss in the parking lot, you know, and they say something, you can potentially, depending on the company, perhaps lose your job. Mm-hmm. So then that says, you know, the angle that I'm coming at it is, in my coaching practice, I roll very highly with universal laws. I'm very big on law of vibration, law of attraction, law of polarity, like there are 12 of them and I'm all up in that. Now, that being said, Love is going to get you where it gets you. If you're vibing love and you walk into a workplace and the mother of your potential children or your future husband is, uh, you know, working in another department and you lock eyes and it is on, no force is going to be able (laughs) to put that away, nor should it. Now, there is a way to go about it, right? Like, love is going to get you where it gets you. So why live your life censoring that? Mm -hmm. However, to be strategic, to be smart, to be mature about it, Definitely. I mean, there's a way to let somebody know that you're interested in them in an appropriate way at the workplace. Mm-hmm. You can do that. You can go about, hey, what are you doing for lunch? Let's grab a bite. And then a friendship forms. And then from a friendship, you get them into, what are you doing this weekend? Let's grab brunch. Or let's go to a museum. Let's check out an exhibit. Now a friendship forms that can turn into something else. And because you are out of the workplace physically, you're not doing this in the workplace, you're taking your life and taking your business outside of the workplace, then it's up to the two consenting adults to say, okay, here's how this is going to roll. I'm falling for you. I want to be with you. We both work together. You're in a different department, which is great. So here's the deal. We cannot text each other. We cannot do anything, nothing, nothing during the hours of our workday. I want to have this thing roll where two years from now, 
I give notice or you give notice and we celebrate our engagement in the conference room because we loved each other and nobody knew it for two years. That's what I, that's the goal. That's what you want to go for. I mean, you said give notice, not notice that you're leaving the job, right? Notice that you're leaving. Well, I mean, look, maybe not. Who knows? Maybe that's the thing. Two years later, think about it. You're in a relationship with somebody. You've been Mm -hmm. keeping it on the DL, right? All your colleagues, they know nothing of that thing. If anything, they're saying, you know, Ben, man, when are you going to get a nice girl? You got so much going for you. Where's your nice girl? And meanwhile, you're like, she's, you know, Melanie in accounting, and I adore her. But you would never say that. You keep it a secret. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Don't worry about me. I'm good. I'm all right. And meanwhile, you have this beautiful whole thing relationship happening, and now it comes time to take it to another level. And you can go to a senior person and say, listen, so I've been seeing Melanie in accounting or Melanie in graphic design for two years. We've been together. We're going to get married. I'm like proposing to her. And we've been hiding this from this entire company for two years just because we want to be appropriate about it. Yeah. I'm sure things like that happen in businesses. I'm sure. I mean, I know I had former colleagues at at law firms that, I mean, they ended up lawyers getting married. They worked in the same firm and stuff. I mean, think about it. Lawyers, you're working 60 hours together. I mean, Mm your family, your work family, you see more than your family. Yeah. And these people, of course, you know, you see the shows on TV. Everybody's hooking up with somebody, right? That's what L.A. Law was based on. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So I'm sure it does happen, and I'm sure that, yeah, same, that, you know, companies out there are, of course, covering their asses. You know, they're, they're covering themselves. But at the same time, love is going to get you where it gets you. And if it gets you in the conference room, it's going to get you in the conference room. That's the way it is. <laughs> well, I just always feel like it's one of those things now where, um, and, you know, with the Me Too movement, it was interesting because from a guy's perspective, you know, a lot of guys got really, or at least who are my friends, they got kind of nervous around like women colleagues in a way because it was like, if it was someone new and you didn't have a rapport, mm. it's like you would never have a one-on-one meeting with a woman in there because you just never know what would happen. And so it was like there would always be multiple people there, things like mm. that. They just got – people got very scared about things. Wow. And so it was just different. And I think in some – I've heard some friends tell where even in the work environment, it just became like a, a chillier environment, mm. you know, because – Back in the 70s, you know, you grow up and you watch J.R. Ewing on Dallas and right. stuff. I mean, he's out here getting his secretary. You know, Mad Men. And stuff. Well, Did you ever see Mad Men? Well, Same. That, that too. <laughs> and, you know, now a lot of companies are like, okay, you know what? No fancy gifts for uh, assistance yeah. and things like that. And, you know, it's that kind of stuff where it kind of creates a work environment that's not as warm. friendly and, and warm, mm-hmm. like, like a family thing. But I kind of understand it, though, too. But... That's just one thing that I've seen from the media. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, it's like also there are ways around it, right? Again, when, you know, when people, when scarcity comes, people get creative, right? So Mm -hmm. if people are putting the limits on people as far as you have an assistant and she's amazing, but you're her 40-year-old boss and now it's her 30th birthday and you can't buy her anything because meanwhile this girl's been busting her ass for you for three years, right? She's been like amazing with you, totally there, totally committed to the job. And now you're like, I want to do something nice for her and I can't because I'm a man and it's going to be weird and whatever. But, you know, do again, thanks to the digital space, you could like pretty much, you know, do whatever and Mm -hmm. not even have it be a corporate thing. It could be a completely unrelated thing. 
you know, where you have somebody buying an Amazon gift card for somebody for $150 and being like, hey, I wanted to thank you and, you know, you do amazing work. And yet it's it's a very neutral gift. Mm-hmm. You know, it isn't like you're coming in with a big present for someone, you know, and making a scene in the office like it used to be back in the day. But yeah. at least, you know, you can have a nice digital exchange where it's, you know, from your from your boss and greatest fan, you're going to do great things, and then there's $150 for Amazon, or you know, at, or Starbucks gift cards or things like that. You know, there's a lot that can be done, um, even if, like I always say, like love is gonna love is gonna come, right? Love will find its way in a business. You can't limit the true desire that us humans have for connection, mm-hmm. from for real legit connectivity and I feel like if we try to stifle that or bury that in a workplace environment creativity will suffer Mm -hmm. trust will suffer business overall will suffer so while yes there is need for people to be more mindful and respectful of one another in workplace you don't want to put so many limits on people where now they're afraid to ideate they're afraid to be in a meeting with you know if I'm a man and it's three men in a meeting, and I'm the only girl. What, now I'm not going to want to be in that meeting? It's like crazy. Mm-hmm. We're going to sit there and have great ideas and get great inspiration and work together. Yeah. You know? And, and like in, with me, I mean, all I care about is getting the job done. And I don't really care one way or the other as long as it gets done. But you want to have the, the ability to, you know, give your thoughts and work together and things like that. And so I don't know. I think to me what the Me Too movement really showed is you should really apply common sense. Mm-hmm. to things it's like okay you know what you probably shouldn't be fooling around with your secretary anyway or if you're going to give somebody a promotion give that person a promotion based on merits and not the appearance or these favors and stuff because i will admit when i was watching that movie bombshell uh-huh. john lithgow played um roger ailes and he was fantastic fantastic and they had margot robbie coming in which if y'all don't know who margot robbie is um she was in um that movie with brad pitt and leonardo DiCaprio about um once upon a time in hollywood she was the blonde but she was this young woman reporter going in you know she i think had been on like preparing news stories and stuff on a team for um for megan kelly and she wanted to go up and they had like a weather woman position and even like he was asking her like you know lift your skirt up how he wanted to see your legs and stuff like that and even as a guy just sitting in the movie theater, I was like, I just kind of felt uncomfortable. Mm, about it. I just felt like, you know, that is, I mean, I just felt like, no, you shouldn't be doing that kind of a thing. And that's the emotion that the, the movie wanted the audience to have. So I'm like, if you apply common sense, you shouldn't really have a problem with it. But I just kind of, I don't like it when they, they're like just chilling in an office atmosphere. Because me being from the South, right. you know, I'm always wanting to say, you know, hey, how's it going and stuff like that. But now it's like, I mean, I would never tell a woman colleague now or, or not intentionally, oh, hey, that's a nice outfit or whatever. Isn't whereas, that amazing? Whereas back in the 60s or the 70s and 80s. Even 10 years see, ago. Ten, ben, 10 years ago, seriously. Yeah. 10 years ago was nothing. This mm-hmm. was 2010. You, yeah. were, you would tell a colleague, you know, you look great. You look great. How was vacation? You came back so tan. You look amazing. Yeah, now like that a, can get you sued. Or like a birthday gift or things exactly. like that. Exactly. It's would... like I don't see, um, I don't see as many male and female colleagues going out to lunch. Hmm. I've heard some women colleagues tell, not colleagues, but just women friends who are like in the legal world or wherever. They said, you know, they if they have mentor relationships, sometimes 
they're not what they were in the past just because everyone's kind of gun-shy. Yeah. And so I think that's an unintended consequence of that. But, you know, we'll just see how it develops because the, the fact of the matter is there are more and more women getting into business. Um, I know in my law school class, most of my classmates were women. Um, more of the women my age now are becoming partners, leaders, things mm-hmm. like that. You're seeing it in marketing. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I just think at the end of the day, people just need to be as professional as they can and get the job done. Yeah, and you know, this whole sue happy environment of mm-hmm. everybody's walking on eggshells and everybody's going to sue everybody. I mean, it really isn't necessary. It's not necessary. Yeah. I mean, can't you just pull somebody aside if you're a woman and be like, so listen, here's the deal. That little comment and the whole gropey and trying to hug me every five minutes, we're going to have a problem if you don't stop that. So I wanted to just come and tell you before you're, you know, blindsided with a lawsuit. All it takes is one conversation, one conversation like that from a woman, Mm -hmm. and you know where you stand. Because then there are the other girls like me. I'm 49 years old. I'm a hugger. I'm from New York City. I mean, I'm a Brooklyn girl. I want to hug. I'm like, hey, what's up? And I'm like hugging my back in the day. You know, now, even now, my clients, oh, mm-hmm. my God, my man clients, delicious they are. Poor things getting over breakups, getting over divorces. <laughs> These people are, they're broken. They're like, oh, my God. And then they have a woman, right, giving them nurturing and kindness, reassurance, telling them, in a coaching session, I mean, I do it all digitally on on computer, so mm-hmm. I could be on you know on on a coaching session with somebody from you know Boston, Massachusetts, right from the computer, and I'll say to them, "My love, you realize that this woman you were with was a complete narcissist, and that she was trying to get at your money. You understand this, right?" I know, but Lisa, I really loved her. I know, my love. I know this. And you had feelings, legit feelings for her. But her feelings weren't reciprocated. She came at you with agenda. And my job is to remind you of the king you are so that this does not happen to you again. And we're going to really get to the root as to why you picked this woman in the first place. Blah, 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 blah. That conversation alone, Mm -hmm. me, honey, calling him honey, you're a king, saying all these things to Could you imagine? I could get me tooed from a man in reverse. But because I come at it very warm and nurturing, and you know, when, when I'm coaching clients, and let's say I do have clients also locally here in Miami, we're always huggy hug with each other. It's, yeah. it's a warm, it's a lot of trust, it's a lot of warmth, it's a lot of um, belief in one another. You know, it's just a beautiful career path that I chose for myself. And, you know, when you're in that and you're thinking Me Too movement, you planted a seed in my head where I'm like, oh, my God, like if I'm putting things out there with my clients, I have to check myself. Yeah. And, I, you know, it is interesting because when I came to Miami, the whole kiss hello thing, I was like, what is this? Right. You know, so that was a big adjustment for me. But the people with the Latin culture, that's a very customary thing to do. Yep. So. And two of them. Both cheeks. Right. So, anyway, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Because, I mean, my whole position on it is, is, like I said, if you just treat people with dignity, respect, and common sense, stuff like what was going on with Harvey Weinstein and at Fox News shouldn't be happening. Right. Because at the end of the day, you're there for a job. You want to, if everyone's happy, that's great. Business is better. Everyone gets paid better. So, 
Yeah, that's it's just abuse of power. Me. It's abuse of power, you know, yeah. and it could work both ways. You know, there are plenty of women, I'm sure, you know, cougars out there being like, I, I need you I've to work to deal late. with that before. I'm sure you have. Look at you, Ted up. So, <laughs> anyway, um, one thing I wanted to talk, get your opinion on, though, um, there was a comment in the movie where the woman that was playing the Judge Jeanine Pirro character came up to um, Charlize Theron's character with um, Megyn Kelly, because Megyn Kelly hadn't said anything about uh, Roger Ailes after Gretchen Carlson mm-hmm. made her comments and stuff. And she's like, well, you got to support Roger. you got to support Roger. And there was a comment where um, she's like, you know what? What if this, it, Meg, Megan Kelly was saying, well, what if this is all true, you know, and our looks and this is that, and he's focused so much on that. And the Judge Janine character said, well, of course our looks are important for this industry. That's why we're here. Mm. So what, I mean, I guess I would say, you know, what do you what is the advice to the women out there? Because at the end of the day, I don't care if you're a man or a woman. You want to look as good as you can, especially in today's society. Um, but you know, not take it too far, I guess. Because I see you've seen people on Instagram too, where they say, "Oh, I'm a boss babe and stuff." But what they show on Instagram is like, you know what? I wouldn't hire that person to be my mm. colleague at a law firm or a bank. But you know, you see it a lot. But that you see a lot of women that hey, they're there for the job. They're dressed professionally. And this stuff still happens, and that shouldn't be happening. So is it like, do the attractive women have it easier? Do they have it harder? So speaking as an attractive woman who was in corporate America, um, I felt a lot of times having to overcompensate for what I looked like, my body, in the sense that I would crank up on the work. I would crank up on, I would never downplay what I looked like. Yeah. Um, I would dress appropriately for mm-hmm. where I worked. I worked, like I said, in par- public relations. I was in public relations firms throughout New York and northern New Jersey, um, all through the 90s and into the early 2000s, like 2010, then I moved to Miami. I met you. Um, but I was, you know, Ann Taylor suits with the tank top underneath and some cool jewelry. I was in a creative field, so I didn't really have to be very super um, conservative buttoned up. But I did represent corporate accounts. A lot of them were pharmaceutical industries, so I was going to meetings to meet with Merck, Pfizer, you know, play, please, like people like that. And when I went to business meetings, I was blouse, I was suit jacket, you know, pants, very covered, always covered. No cleavage, no nothing, none of that. Mm -hmm. And I found that there still, despite that, there were always comments from the other women. It was a heavy female-dominated industry, so Mm -hmm. there were comments from the other women, right? So, like I mentioned earlier in the show, it was primarily, you know, women, few men, and some, and like gay men. So the gay men would be like, girl, you look fierce. Let me see, give that a twirl, <laughs> give that a twirl. Damn, look at the legs on you, who knew? And it's like, I know it's freezing in New York. I'm wearing, you know, tights and a big chunky turtleneck in the middle of January. And then the summer comes and, you know, you're in a cute dress, but even still, always appropriate, always appropriate. And I found that, Walking down the street, you know, the men looking at you, the comments made, that's going to come. But how you show up from a skill set, no one can take that from you. I was great at what I did. People believed that I was the right person for that job at that time. And 
I would have women being like, come work with me, come work in my team. I'm on this other agency. I want to give you an opportunity. It's $5,000 more, another week's vacation. Just come work with me. So there was a lot of that. There, it, it, it was like the pretty girls club, mm-hmm. you know, looking out for other pretty girls who were in power, lifting each other up. But yes, there were also the jealous ones who were very in power also, but they wanted to keep you on a tight leash. And there was a lot of that, you know, being extra nice, extra on top of your game around the senior vice president who might not have looked so great, but she did what she did to get where she got, and she's brilliant, Mm -hmm. but she might be rubbed the wrong way because I'm, you know, at the time a size two, and I'm eating a slice of pizza in the conference room, and she's looking at me up and down like, you know, this little B-I-T-C-H can go and come in here and eat the carbs to her heart's content, and now I'm going to sniff the the you know, pepperoni and gain 10 pounds. There's still that. Women are that, you know, some of them. But, you know, to answer your question, I mean, as far as people getting different opportunities because of their looks, I feel like it's what you know eventually will catch up with you. You can, the the looks will get you in the door. Mm. But at the end of the day, if you're looking for money, there needs to be an exchange of value for the money. I agree. I mean, if you look at a lot of the women that are on, um, the network news, you look at when Megyn Kelly was there, mm. um, uh, a lot of the women that are on Fox, you know, Shannon Bream, others, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the hosts you see on NBC, yes, they have the attractive look, but if they're bad on the air, exactly. they're not going to last. No. And they've got to be able to communicate, have the conversation, mm-hmm. all that. So, and I, I see it even in real estate too. You know, in Miami, we have a lot of um, women in real estate that they are there to look nice in the developer's office. Hmm. They don't last very long. There are a lot of women that are very attractive, but they know their stuff. Hmm. They're very good, and they do very, very well. Because the fact of the matter is, just like you said, if you don't know your stuff, then it doesn't matter what your what your looks are. I mean, it's the same. It really, with, do, it, it really, really doesn't. And you know, the best advice that a parent could give their very lovely-looking girl mm-hmm. is, and boy, mm-hmm. is. What my father told me. We were at a Jet game. It was Jet Miami game. Freezing cold. Shea Stadium. I want to say I was about 12 years old. Freezing. And I was at the game with my dad. And my dad said to me, because he started to notice how boys were looking at his daughter, right? Uh, here I am changing the hair, everything. You know, your you're puberty, you're changing. And he's noticing, though, like 16-year-olds, like, looking at me. You know what I mean? Was he, like, walking around with a bat? My dad was a Marine. Crazy. (laughs) Bodybuilder. (laughs) Ultimate, like, don't mess with my kid kind of thing, right? Hasn't he made some comments on Facebook? He has. He's hilarious. He's hilarious. (laughs) If you follow me on Facebook, oh, my God, (laughs) Luis Concepcion, legendary. But back then, he said to me, Lisa, you know, you're, you're a very pretty girl, but you're very smart, too. And you're not here to take BS from anybody. You're going to be street smart. You're going to know that your value is not just your appearance. You're, you bring a lot more, a lot more talent. You're a great writer. He would, he would praise me, not in my looks. He would praise my abilities. He'd always be about the grades. Mm-hmm. How did that test go? How are you doing with the algebra? Did you figure it out? The thing that you needed to figure out, did you do it? Yeah, Dad, I got an 88 on my test. Good, that's my girl. Like, he was always into the achievement side. And when you're young like that, 
it doesn't take long to connect the dots where to please my parents, right? So my dad, he doesn't necessarily say, oh, you look so beautiful, look how nice you look. Like, yeah, it's that, but it's more about the achievement, more about what are you going for? And uh, I'm proud of you, you know, cards for your birthday when it's like, I'm proud of you. It's not about my daughter's so beautiful, look at the ass on this one. Like, he's not, you know what I mean? Like a lot of, yeah, they're not, ever, ever, ever. And my dad was so military, very conservative, you know, and here he has the spitfire of a daughter. And, you know, it was always rules about you know, in, in the years that I grew up, I was, you know, 14 years old. You were mentioning earlier Madonna, right? Mm. So Madonna was the height of the height of Madonna when I was in junior high. Mm. And Madonna's thing was she was the one who brought out wearing lingerie as clothing. Yeah. Okay, so it was huge. And the thing of the bra and you're walking out of your house with a bra with a denim jacket on. No, never in a million years ever. And the flash dance thing with this cut sweatshirt. I remember my father saying, okay, I understand the trend. Everybody's cutting the sweatshirt, but you need to wear a tank top underneath that because you're not just going to show shoulder. You're 15. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of rules. There was a lot of influence of my parents. They didn't just, like, turn loose and there I go. They were very involved, and they made it known very early on in my life that it wasn't about you being pretty. That was lovely, but there was a million other things going on with you mm. of value to the world. And you're gonna develop those things and you're gonna go out and you're gonna crush it. You're gonna do something. That's how you raise a girl to be a boss babe. Mm. St uh, sticking with boss babes here, in your dating advice, what are the challenges that boss babes face when it comes to dating and relationships? Because, you know, we talked about boss babes being focused, dedicated, things like that, um, but sometimes, I mean, I know some boss babes that I would consider them bossy babes. Mm. So, you know, some people don't really like that. So what kind of challenges do they face when it comes to dating? And also, what's your advice for a guy who's in a relationship with a boss babe? Because if it were me, I'd want to support her, you know, do well and things like that. But sometimes guys need a little advice on how to do that. Yeah, great question. So it's a very common thing because the people that I coach primarily are these type A professionals who can't for the life of them figure out what's up with their love life. Why can't they get it together in love? So they have it super together and focused when it comes to work, but in their love lives, they're like, I don't know what the deal is. But a lot of the language and the narrative that we hear, that I hear in my coaching practice, is this belief that boss babe type women intimidate men and it does not have to be that way the reason why they come off as intimidating is because they're not existing in their feminine strength and they are very masculine dominated in their businesses meaning they are to-do lists they are go get it they are get that deal they're you know operating from a place of I generate my own income. I pay for my own way. It's an attitude of I don't need a man in my life. Mm -hmm. That's very masculine and it's very repelling and off-putting to men. And then these same women then say, I need a strong man because I'm a strong woman. Okay, but my love, strong men, your typical type A man, and I had to learn this the hard way, they don't want a competitor. They don't want somebody who's meeting them at their level professionally. They love that about you. They want you to succeed. They want you to make millions, honey. They want you to go for it. But they want to know that you are their queen. 
then you're not another king. You are their queen. Now, what does that mean to be in a feminine space? If you are a boss babe and you are in a relationship, be soft in your relationship with that man. Be nurturing. Tap into those qualities. It's in how you speak to him, how you greet him, hello, how you are able to hold space for him. So I'll give you an example. Let's say a woman and a guy, they're together. She's a lawyer. He's a real estate agent, very, very prominent. They both do incredibly well with one another. I mean, for each other, you know, together in the relationship and independently. Both of them are crushing it. So now they live together. Guy comes home. The feminine way to greet this man is... Hey, babe, how was your day? How, how'd it go with that meeting? I know you were saying you were freaking out about this meeting all week, and it was today, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, it was really rough. And, you know, I, I'm actually, I'm going to go take a shower, and I'm just going to shower off this day, and then I'll tell you all about it. Sound good? Yeah, baby, absolutely. Understand. Listen, I have food coming. I ordered Uber Eats, amazing, in like an hour. So then you can, we have time, we'll chill out. You can tell me all about it. That's a very feminine way. The typical masculine way and how women get tripped up is take the same scenario, and I'll demonstrate it now from a masculine point of view. Woman worked all day. She's home before the guy. Guy comes in, and she says, so listen, 8 o'clock tonight, we're supposed to meet Jack and Julie out at, you know, Nobu. Like, what's your deal? Are are we still doing this? Are we not doing this? Like, what's going on? Because I know you had some meeting or something. You had something going on this week. And I was it today? I don't even remember. Right? Was that today? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Are you up for this or what? Very different tone. Very different tone. She cross-examined him. Very different tone. And also, this man just walked in to to the house. There's no... There's no warmth in that kind of greeting. There's no, it's a very masculine, we have to do this tonight at 8 o'clock, are you in or not, kind of forceful. There's no grace. There's no softness. There's no team. She's the masculine energy. He's the, now honey, this woman could be masculine energy in her work 100%, but leave that side of you for work. Mm-hmm. Leave that side of you for work. And, you know, like the masculine and the feminine energies play a role both in male and, and female. So in you, Ben, you have masculine and feminine qualities. And as me, I have masculine and feminine qualities. Um, masculine quality for me is I'm leaving this beautiful establishment where we're doing this interview. I need to get an Uber. I'm doing things. Uber's going the wrong way. Hey, you're missing a turn. It's this way. That's masculine. Telling, giving direction, doing that. You're living your life in that way. Feminine is how we greeted each other. Hug, hello. How have you been? Pet the dog. The whole, like, nurturing, happy. to. How would you like it if you and I... First, hadn't seen each other in months, right? Now we see each other first time. And I was like, all right, are we going to roll? Are we going to do this? Because, listen, I have to be out of here at 5 o'clock. You would be like, that's just masculine and it's not necessary. But a lot of women do exist in that space. Mm-hmm. And it makes power struggles happen in relationships. It puts people on defensive with each other in relationships. And the more and more women are now starting to want to truly be that boss babe where they can 
earn a lot of money, they can nurture their kids, they can be there for their spouse, they want to really have that boss babe totality in their life, a holistic approach to their life, not just I make money and I get it done. Mm-hmm. It's I make money and I get it done, but my children know they're loved and nurtured and that they can go and have whatever dream that they go for. And my man knows that we as a family are going to sit and we're going to eat with no cell phones at the table and we're going to talk and we're going to love up on each other because I set the tone in my home for what is peace, tranquility, sanctuary of joy. That's, as a boss babe, that's your role. The woman is the keeper of the light in the home, Mm. period. And I'm sure, you know, you had grandma, you had mom, and that feminine, nurturing, beautiful energy makes people feel safe. Yeah, the June Cleaver. The June Cleaver. So transitioning in a little bit, um, you know, they had that uh, Like a Boss movie with Salma Hayek. Love her. We love Salma Hayek. We love her. Um, And that was an interesting movie because it had a woman boss in Salma Hayek who she basically purchased an interest in this makeup company that Tiffany Haddash and Rose Byrne owned. It was a small business, but they kind of needed some financial help. So she looked, Salma looked at this as a business opportunity, but she tried to drive a wedge between the two other women mm-hmm. because she wanted to move in and take the control. I've, I've seen a lot of situations where, um, you know, women, they kind of get, a, a, not really abuse, but I mean, they get cattiness and they get pushback from other women. So their, their problems, with their career is not really fighting with the man, it's mm. fighting with, with the women, whether it's a women, woman colleague on an equal level, both trying to get to the top, or maybe at the, the top level, like with uh, Salma Hayek. And we did see that in our, um, our criticism of J-Lo at the, the halftime show. So have you seen situations like that as well? Uh, yeah. We'll get on to J-Lo. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, you know, there were definitely instances of cattiness in the workplace. I experienced it and I would always diffuse it. I would always absolutely diffuse it. And you know what? Personalities, they're going to clash. You're not going to get along with everyone. You know, you you could be pleasant and and, but there's always going to be somebody who, you know, you look like the ex you if, if let's say I looked like a person's husband's ex wife. So I don't know anything of this, but yet I'm in a conference room with a woman who's giving me the sideways, you know, hate eye because I look like someone she doesn't like in her family. Yeah. So you don't know what's going on with people. That's why in the workplace, when we strive to understand one another better and we extend that olive branch. So like, let's say I was coaching someone in that situation, because this is interesting that you bring this up because it was a thing in my coaching practice where this woman thought that this woman in her job had it in for her. And I was like, okay, let's talk about this. How can you approach this woman and ask her what her problem is with you? So we have this really nice brainstorm. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know, it's so passive aggressive. Like she'll throw digs at me and then she's in this position. She's a little bit higher than me. She does my review. I, oh. it's, it's a whole thing. So I said, okay, I get it. And you want to get to your you know, senior vice president role where now you and she will be peer, um, colleagues. It won't be one up from you. You'll be equals. And she doesn't want to have that. So I said to her, why don't you approach her and start to ask her and, and put her in a position of expertise? meaning empowering her. So what we did, because this woman that I was coaching was gorgeous, 
and she was going for this position and this other woman not so gorgeous maybe 15 years older had beef with her she's like lisa no matter how nice i am to this woman like niceness does not work she looks at me like um a lackey she looks at me bit like it's losing respect and i'm not having it so i'm like wow okay got it so what i ended up having her do is a reverse kind of tactic which was treating her as a mentor as somebody that she really respects and trusts and then elevating her ego right and then in that saying you know miranda i adore working with you you know that right yeah well I have something that I have to ask you, and I've been kind of walking around on eggshells about it because I don't want to have any kind of beef because I really appreciate you as somebody that I look up to and can really help me advance in this company. And, well, here's the thing. Do you want me to advance in this company? And flat out ask her. Because wow. I really value you, you as a as a colleague, as a me- I'd like to call you a mentor. I really learn a lot from you, but I just I don't know. It's just the thing. I mean, I don't want to keep asking you these things if you don't really want to help me. And, I, and you don't have to. It's mm-hmm. fine. And I have no beef with you, one way or the other. But we're tasked to get this thing done, and I would love to s- just kind of clear the air a bit. Mm-hmm. And just be that and seek understanding with people. It's not confrontational. It's just, I'm just seeking understanding. I just want to know where you are. Turns out she had the conversation. My client went. I scripted it out for her and everything. <laughs> she, like, memorized it. She was ready to go. She found the opportune moment. She had the conversation. The woman, Miranda, breaks out into tears she holds her heart. She puts her hand to her heart and she puts her head down and she says, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. And she's like sitting there dumbfounded. Like She's like, are you okay? And she says, I've been going through a year and a half divorce. You joined this company two months after my husband left me for a woman who looks just like you. Wow. You can be sisters. Can I show you the picture of this woman in my phone? And she goes, this is my ex-husband's um, social media with now this woman. And she looked at it and she said, oh, my God, it all makes sense now. I, I, oh, my God. You were looking at me with fire in your eyes because you're making that fire for her. It was projected onto me. Oh, my God, what a misunderstanding. She gets up. They hug each other. She goes, of course I will mentor you. I am. I think you do amazing work. I'm so sorry I was so bitter and sour and cold to you, but that's why. They ended up fast friends. Chick got promoted. I mean, this was all within like a six months of me coaching this wow. woman. Amazing. But the thing is, you don't know unless you communicate, unless you extend mm-hmm. that olive branch. And when you do it from a spirit of, wanting understanding, gaining understanding, not rightness, wrongness, you're being this way, you're being that way, but just like I want to get to know you better because I feel like there's beef between us and I don't want there to be beef. You never know what you're going to get on the other side of that question. 
yeah, maybe that woman that was giving me grief the other day, maybe her ex-husband looked like Chuck Norris. I get that all the time. <laughs> you really do look like him in a good way. I, since I grew this beard, I, I was so busy at work that I was like, you know what, I'm just trying to do things to save time and all that. And I was at a seminar, and literally, like, uh, one of my friends came up and was like, yeah, you look like Ch Chuck Norris. And the speaker called me out, and he's like, dude, you look just like Chuck Norris, Walker, Texas Ranger. Super Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. That version of him. And I got... Uh, that was him in his 40s, right? Yes. And even at Publix uh, on Friday, the, the cashier said the same thing. I've even signed a few autographs as Chuck Norris. You need to... Um, I need to find Christy Brinkley. You really do. You need to find a Christy Brinkley girlfriend, and then all your social media pictures will look like... Chuck Norris and Christy Brinkley. I, I think so. I, I think we have I to get on that. I need I need to probably settle down with a uh, a blonde anyway because she'll like rock music and same sports as me. Perfect. See, but, uh, she's out there. Yeah. Your ideal girl is out there. And, and I gotta she, get away from the office though. This is true. See, this is the big problem that people have with their, you know, they're going for their dreams and making their money. They're doing their careers, but then they don't have any time or energy left over for love. Well, here's the thing though. We're into March now, so we got college basketball <laughs> playoffs getting ready to start. Spring training has started. I got WrestleMania coming up. Oh, yeah. Babe. So got to get through all that. We'll worry about the other stuff. Later. Okay. All right. So you're busy. Maybe you'll meet people from that, from those events. Well, chances are the women that you meet at the wrestling event are pretty rough around <laughs> the edges. Not your ideal, par your ideal target I partner. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, all right, now we've got... Ten minutes left in this segment, which means we'll talk for another 20, but um, <laughs> I've got to get to the big topic that has been in the news for several, several weeks, and that is the halftime show of J-Lo and Shakira. And this is very interesting because, um, you know, we had the Super Bowl in Miami, a lot of events going on, big stuff, and J-Lo and Shakira give their performances. And I really didn't think anything of Shakira's performance because I thought her performance was kind of you know, a typical Shakira performance, and, and they're both Latin, but especially Shakira, she's, I believe, Colombian, right? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, she's always been very pretty, good uh, outfits and, and things like that, good shape. Well, shoot, I'm, I'm going to get me too here with all this stuff. But anyway, <laughs> the bottom line is she's always had a consistent look. And anyway, J-Lo comes out, and she had the movie this year um, where... Hustlers. Hustlers. Mm -hmm. And so as part of her act, she had a pole, and she did a little bit of a dance on the pole, and she had this kind of like a, I guess, a bodysuit. And, and in fairness, you know, it was kind of see-through, except for she had, like, I guess the V covering part of it. part of it. But, boy, she got a lot of flack, and it was from a lot of women. And by, based on my comments that I saw on Facebook, I saw that 100% of Miami friends of mine had no problem with this and that's both male and female because it is Miami and I was even telling some people who come I'm like look that's just what we would call so Miami because whether we like it or not uh, the dress code here is generally more relaxed when you have the Latin culture it's just you know and the fact that it's 85 degrees with 35 percent humidity yes and up yes <laughs> so the Miami the Miami people didn't have any issue with this mm. based on what I saw on social media 98% of guys outside of Miami were okay with it. I did see a couple of guys complain uh, about it. 70% of women outside of Miami who had kids objected to it. 
and 30% of women outside of Miami with kids were okay with it. And I just thought it was interesting. I was like, J-Lo, when you think of J-Lo, and I've talked about her a lot on, on the show as being you know, a, a real icon. Here's somebody, she grew up in New York just like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's Puerto Close. Rican. She's Puerto Rican like me, from the Bronx like me, yeah, big she, booty like me. We're, so, we're basically you know, sisters from another family. Exactly. <laughs> But, you know, someone who, if you look at her progression, she's worked very, very hard to get where she is, both uh, in acting, Mm -hmm. singing, all this stuff. And so she's an inspiration to a lot of people, both Latin and non-Latin. But her outfit got a lot of criticism from a lot of women saying that she was too sexy, that it was, um, her outfit especially was not a good um, got not a good influence for young women and she shouldn't have worn something like that particular outfit because she knew a lot of young people would be watching the Super Bowl now at first I will admit I have two young nephews and I even looked at one of the outfits and I was like yeah you know maybe she shouldn't have worn that for the Super Bowl but I went back and thought about it and I was like it really wasn't any different I don't think from one of her typical shows I went back and thought about the shows of Madonna in the early 90s, like with Vogue and all that. I mean, some of those outfits that Cher wore, Cher shouldn't have been wearing. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, J-Lo is in shape, and a lot of women came to her defense and said, hey, she's 50 years old, she's in fabulous shape. You know, that should be an inspiration for a, a lot of women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just kind of back and forth. But I could kind of see some of the comments from some of the women, but I don't think it was as bad as it should have been. So. You're the expert. What's your take on this? So I was all pro the whole thing. I J-Lo is a hero. She can do no more wrong. And a few things. J-Lo had her daughter up on the stage with her singing. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and notice how J-Lo had her daughter dress. Her daughter is, like, not even 12 years old, 11, 12 years old. Yeah, and it's like a school recital and outfit. It, that little girl was precious. She had this flouncy little skirt, super cute, little hoodie, adorable, age-appropriate, lovely. And Mama Queen is doing her thing. And all good in the hood for me. I mm. mean, couldn't do it, no wrong for me. And look, the thing is, I get the argument, like, to be fair to the other side, you know, this is supposed to be the Super Bowl. It's supposed to be family programming. But you know what? When you hear J-Lo and Shakira are going to be the halftime show entertainment at the Super Bowl, and that Super Bowl performance is going to be obviously gyrating, dancing, you know, look at J-Lo's history, look at Shakira's history. They come on stage, skimpy clothing. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you as a parent be like, you know what, I'm not going to chance it. If I have a nine-year-old girl and that's just not the influence I want, I'm going to put puppy bowl on or I'm going to have them come in and help me make nachos for the second half or I'm going to help that have them help whatever. Do Take them away from the environment of the TV. Exercise your right as a parent to just be like, hey, let's put on something else for the, the next 15 minutes. And be that it is not a celebrity's job to parent your kid mm-hmm. okay so if that's your beef and you want to be um all up in arms because there was a celebrity you know dressed in amazingly in great shape and that's a beef that you have like look at how you're running your house mm-hmm. okay JLo is a mother Shakira is a mother they have their values they have their way they're entertainers they're here to entertain um, I think 
The performance was incredibly entertaining. I think it was really well done. Um, I think it was definitely for a specific demographic. I don't think there were very young people in their 20s being into that music. Like, that's more our generation. J-Lo yeah. and Shakira, that's like early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And I remember on my Facebook, somebody commenting saying that um, my son, who's like 17, was like, yeah, Ma, that's like the music you listen to in the car. Like, that's the music you're into, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, and the mom's like, yeah, that's true. Like, you know, and... So I don't know, I looked at it like two women, two Latina women, I'm Latina, I get it. I mean, my aunt looked amazing, wore bikinis into her 50s also, my mom too. Like, I I have this joke with my family, I'm like, you know, Latin women, we go from like smoking hot to abuela, which means grandma, in like a weekend. weekend. Like something happens, (laughs) something happens, like you get a cold or you have the flu and in that time frame, a relative, an aunt, una tia, will go and be sick for a week and then all of a sudden you'll see her at like the next family event and she puts on like 30 pounds and she's looking more matronly, looking more like a grandmother, cuts her hair, it, and it, it's rapid, rapid. And we joke around about this all the time, you know, cause I'm like, wow, I have like really relatives, my cousins, we all look similar. Mm. They're all smoke, they're smoking hot, beautiful. And now they're all starting to get older and they're becoming grandmothers and they're still working out, they're still doing their thing. Point is, if you are confident in your body and you are working out every day and you are an entertainer and that is your job, Mm -hmm. you are always going to have haters. You're always going to have haters. Can't please everybody. So what you need to do is stay true to your brand, stay true to your entertainment value, do your thing, do you, and move along. And that's what J-Lo did brilliantly, brilliantly. And Shakira, too. They were wonderful. Yeah, I thought they're... Just from the music standpoint, I thought it was really good. And one of my women friends, even on the, the whole poll issue, her comment back was like, she didn't have a problem with it. And she's like, if you're, her point to the other mothers was like, why does your little kid know what a stripper pole is? Exactly. So that, exactly. that was her comment. But in fairness, you know, I understood the comment from the women friends who were making it. And I, I do respect their opinions and, and everything like that. But I just think it's different when that was a Miami-based show. I kind of think, and it was a Miami culture, because if they had the Super really Bowl was. in New Orleans, they kind of blend to, you know, something more New Orleans culture, things yeah. like that. So, obviously, J-Lo, if she was in Kentucky, she would not be wearing that outfit. So, yeah, or, or maybe she would. Like, we don't know. You know what I mean? You never know, because J-Lo's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, Miami, the fact that it was in Miami, we were representing Miami, all of this footage all of this content would go worldwide on YouTube. So, like, Super Bowl is not only an American thing. We yeah. had people in Australia who didn't care about the game, but they wanted to see the halftime show. Right. So these women are in, they're, they're smart marketers. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Right? They had Pepsi was the host, was the, mm-hmm. the sponsor. These women are looking at this like, listen, this is a game. But we are the Super Bowl halftime. That's going to be YouTubed. Mm-hmm. That's going to be on social media worldwide. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot more to it, and I get it, and I also understand, too, that the same mothers that had beef about stripper pole and all this stuff, well, I asked these moms, um, are you going through the McDonald's drive through buying awful fast food and eating that in front of your child? Are you texting and driving at the same time with your child in the back seat? Because bad behavior 
can be done by your their, uh, you as a mother, mm-hmm. yet that goes out the window because JLo's on a pole. Honey, look in the mirror. Look at what you're doing as a mom and see how you're influencing your own kids every day before you take JLo and Shakira to task for doing their jobs, which is entertaining people. Yeah. Well, even last year, um, you know, Adam Levine performed and he stripped off and people were, women were ogling over him. I'm sitting there like I'm in better shape than that guy. There you go. But, um, the thing about it was, is I just thought it was interesting. Going I feel back. like, yeah, and you need to have a video component to this. Women need to see what the, what what what's going on with you. Well, but they, you're teasing them. You're like Chuck Norris. I look like Chuck Norris. I'm in shape. Da, 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 da. Well, I don't wear a cowboy hat. What if you did that. the stream? We need to, you got to get video with this. You got to yeah. go about streaming video and doing the podcast at well, the same time. Maybe we'll do that on. In and then cute Rodney. Yeah, well, Rodney. Rodney's already, snoring. Yeah, he, he's passed. Precious he's had little a full thing. Day. But I just thought it was interesting, the take on, on J-Lo, just because if you think about it with, with J-Lo, I think that was the first time that you've had two women of, of Latin culture host the halftime show. And so that was a really important thing. Mm. And, of course, Demi Lovato did an excellent job with Lovely. Uh, uh, the Star Spangled Banner. And mm-hmm. then there was another, I forgot the, the gospel singer, that, but you had all women performing the music, and I thought they did a really great job. So I... I thought that was great, but it kind of goes back to the point of the Salma Hayek movie where everyone's going to hate on somebody. I mean, you can't please everybody. So I think at the end of the day, the goal is, hey, you got to do what you think is right. You know, stand by your principles and your morals and stuff. And when you have the negative impact come in, you got to just deal with it the best way you can. Now, that being said, the Me Too stuff, I just still think that comes back to you should apply common sense. I mean, should... Should guys be doing that stuff? Absolutely not. They, they just shouldn't. So I think that's the good thing from the Me Too movement, and I think all this stuff that we've talked about is just stuff that people have to address and be mature adults about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, you know, common sense. It, it is kind of common. People say it's not, but it is. We all have it. We just need to exercise it. I agree. So tell me the latest with what's going on at Love Quest Coaching. And oh my God! Phenomenal! Yes, it's been going amazing. I've been helping the people, helping the people with the heartbreak, helping the confused people about why I'm successful. I'm great on paper, and I can't meet somebody good. Um, what I do is straight up personal development. So mm-hmm. I help people very quickly get to the root of what is blocking them in their love life, and so that they can address it finally, heal it, transform it, and thrive in love. It's awesome and naturally. When you're dealing with matters of the heart, oftentimes other things become unearthed from your life. So people will come to me talking about how they want to meet a man, but then they'll talk, then I'll be like, okay, talk, talk to me about your dad. You keep talking about your dad, that you have like a conflict with your dad. And lo and behold, as we start to peel back the layers, we start to see there are family issues going on, and that's what's taking up energy. So a lot of the work I do is um, very energy-based. I look Mm -hmm. at the core root for why things are going on in people's lives the way they are so they can transform it. It's awesome. Love it. And people who are listening to your show can get free things from me, free gifts from me. I come bearing gifts. They go to lovequestcoaching.com. I have free downloadable audios, audio files, about how to get over a breakup, how to create more self-love for yourself. I have another one about um, communicating for couples. I have a bunch. 
and you can help yourself right there for free. Mm-hmm. The other thing I have that's really nice that people love, love, is the free love life assessment. So you go to lovequestcoaching.com, you'll see a button, love life assessment. You get to tell me and spill the beans, honey, on everything you have going on, good or bad in your love life, whatever, things that you want for you that are not happening. We're stuck. And I personally, it's not some algorithmic magic. No, it's me reading this thing and giving you your direct feedback, your direct answers to the questions that you have that matter to you. So you can get that for free on my website. So they can find out what their problem is right away. Right away. Crush it. Let's get it handled and sorted so you can thrive at love. Because it is, you know, shortly after Valentine's Day, Mm. people may have had a bad experience there. They're looking to get back on the right track. Right. Look, it could be divorces, breakups. There's a lot of narcissism, a lot of narcissistic abuse, people getting mentally abused through relationships, used financially, distraught, awful. But... There's good on the other side of that. When you heal you and you learn from the experiences of your life and you get rid of whatever is holding you back, whatever limiting beliefs that you're walking around with talking about, there aren't any good guys, there aren't any good girls, they're all crazy. What you say, your words that you use are important. It determines what you attract, what manifests in your life. So speak what you want into existence. I'm huge. I did public relations. I'm all about communication. So we have this really, really fun program where we teach manifestation, speaking things into existence that you want. It could be work. It could be um, love. It could be um, things, material things, new home, new car, what have you. It's mm. a blast. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show as always, it's a riveting discussion, and I'm also, as your friend, glad to see that the love coaching is going so well. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. And yeah, it's so good to help the people in this way. Ben, I tell you, it was like a thing I knew I had to do, and I just had to figure out how to be able to serve the people on the level that I want. And you know, every day in entrepreneurship, it's a whole new lesson and a whole new breakthrough. And you're tested, definitely tested. So I love the growth that I'm feeling as I grow my business to the next level and keep helping more people. Yep. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And this will conclude our episode with Lisa, the love coach, one of our star guests, talking about what it's like to be a boss babe. So hope you guys enjoy the show. Keep following us on Instagram at Ben Wilson Miami, and on the website is www.benandrodney.com. And of course, check out Lisa at lovequestcoaching.com. And on Instagram, she is Lisa the Love Coach. So thanks to Lisa once again. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode and have a great week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. Find us online at benandrodney.com and follow us on Instagram at Ben Wilson Miami.